So you see, every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero's always 10 years away. I'm never going to be my hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. Hello everyone, Dave here, and welcome to episode 5 of Wisdom with Friends. Today's episode is about career. Phil and I recorded this episode a little over a year ago, but the advice is still very relevant, especially uh, as I sit here and I'm recording this intro when a lot of us now are uh, experiencing social distancing and we're at home. And uh, maybe you're thinking a little bit different about your career and your job. Uh, And the best thing, as always, and during this time that you could ever do, is invest in yourself. And uh, Phil and I talked about, you know, we received a lot of career advice over the years. It's always easier to give it than to take career advice. Uh, You'll have many jobs over the course of your career, but you only have one you. Uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode. I know uh, myself going back and listening, so many things still ring true. Uh, And as I mentioned, we did record this earlier, so if you hear dates such as 2018, we're not crazy, we do know uh, what year it is, but I think some of this advice is timeless. So today, you and I are gonna talk about career. And I have to do a disclaimer that none of the jobs, like this is our personal experience. It doesn't reflect any of the companies we're currently working at or that we have worked at uh, in in the past. And um, I think, you know, early on, I remember somebody telling me this, that you're going to have, you remember this? Maybe it was our te- one of our teachers at NJIT. Um, somebody said, you're going in to have- In that case, ma- I don't remember it now. <laughs> you're gonna say you're gonna say somebody said you're gonna have many jobs in your life but only one career were you around yeah. for that did you hear that thing i think i've I don't heard remember. it but i don't know where and i don't know if i was with you I've yeah heard a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> so yes i've always taken that to heart there's two things i've taken to heart that was the first one and the second one was don't put your career in anybody else's hands and that yeah. one i definitely heard when I was at J&J from someone that was there a while. And I've always taken those two pieces of advice. I think today we'll we'll wrap about that. So we're going to talk about like our careers, how they went, where are we now, where are they going, and and then just kind of recap. And hopefully this will help some people. Everybody's career is is different. One thing I've learned about career advice is that I'm really good at giving it and not necessarily following it. So I have a lot of people that come to me when they need help throughout their careers. And I think I give them a I give them good advice, so hopefully I'll have a couple gems for this podcast. But um, you know, it's not always as easy to practice what you preach. Totally, and I, you know, I agree. You've always had career advice um, when I've switched things. You've always been there for me to kind of wrap ideas off of. And one of the things I've become well aware of in the past year, just because I've been talking to a lot of people that are just starting out in their career. And so it's been a forcing function for me to remember what I thought when I was 22, 24, 30, you know, and I've come to realize that I've actually wanted different things out of my career at different points in my life. And I think you can't, that's the interesting thing about career Uh, for me, maybe this was different for you, but for me, I've actually been unable to separate where I am in life from my career. So sometimes that's meant what am I doing? Uh, are my concerns around moving my family for a job or not moving my family for a job? Uh, do I have a certain level of income for myself? Like, what do I want as an individual? But what does my family actually want? Um, do, do we have two people working in our family or do we have one income in our family? And it's interesting in that that can be such a, um, it can be, uh, what's the best way to say it? I don't want to say it's like a haze. 
or a fuzz, it could, or even that it's noise, because it is super important. Mm-hmm. But I think it makes it more difficult sometimes, especially for me, to be super real with what Dave wanted. Because yeah. it's like this small voice in there, especially as you get, I mean, you know this as a dad, right? It's like, there's so many trade-offs that we make. So I think careers is part of that too. Yeah. You know, one thing I've found is that um, I don't always blend the two, you know, I mean, some people are pretty good at kind of having their life sort of, you know, have, have, um, you know, be blended and sort of homogenous. But for me, I'm not the kind of person that comes home and starts talking about work. Very rarely do I, and certainly not with um, family and friends unless they ask. You know, one thing I found is that my immediate family couldn't care less, um, whereas family that I don't speak to in a while, they want to really know what's going on and what I'm doing and kind of what uh, my life is about. So I can I can dig into it a little bit. But generally speaking, like if my career is going well, then life's good. If my career is is having issues, then it affects everything else. Oh, yeah, I agree, because it's where you're spending most of your time. So if you're miserable all day long, it's very hard to not let that affect other areas of your life, especially if it's long over the long term. And what, what's what's funnier, though, is that the other way, it's not the same. You know, if I'm having stuff going on in my personal life, I can go to work and it kind of goes away. I, I switch into work mode and then I'm like focused and I'm achieving things and I'm back to kind of like doing that. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, I'm, I'm cruising again. So it's, it's, it's weird how it doesn't go the other way. See, this is, this is why we've been friends for so long. This is what I love about it. Um, because I am like my perspective, I'm so emotional. I mean, you know, this about me. I, um, if, if stuff is sucking in my personal life, it does affect my work. Hmm. And if I'm unhappy at work, it affects my personal life. And I think that's why I've, if I look back, uh, and maybe I'll start, I'll start talking about how my career path has kind of gone, is that um, I've had to find things that I'm passionate about because if I'm not passionate about it, I, uh, it affects me as a human being everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And if I am passionate about it and my life and everything's going good, then I'm, I'm better at work. And I admire you that you um, – I think that's why you've been better on the manager track, the IT CIO track than me because – um, so everything's so personal for me and so emotional for me. It's very hard for me to have the boundaries in between yeah. things. So I think you have the healthier approach. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah, well, well, so it's interesting. What you, you talk about passion, and for me, my passion is to get stuff done. And it doesn't matter what role or job or whatever I've had throughout my my you know working life. If I'm if I'm getting stuff done, I'm really happy and I'm passionate about it. You know, I remember cutting grass when I was uh, in college, cutting grass in the summers. And I mean, as long as I could, you know, I was working on a golf course, as long as the lines were straight and like I was, you know, I was really paying attention to detail, you know, the, the, um, the edge was trimmed perfectly and all these other things, I was feeling really good about it. And just throughout my career, what I've always focused on and what's always made me passionate is just being the best, like w- whatever I can do. To, to move the needle a little bit every day is what I'm passionate about. And, and, you know, for you, I know that it's been a little bit different in that you, you dive more into the, 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 the technology side of things and kind of, you know, the, the, I don't know. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I've, uh, I just did a podcast on this. I did a modern CTO podcast on this and I, over the weekend, we were traveling with the family and they were actually listening to me. So this is fresh in my mind. Cause I don't remember <laughs> what I say from one day to another. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really came out in that podcast and uh, Joel, the guy that runs that pot, he really got me talking. And what was great about the insight that I opened up on that is that I have this personality thing where I hate when people make things harder than they are. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a nat- I'm naturally curious and I love learning. And even like from the time I was um, like, you know, this about me, it really upsets me when I hear people say, and they make jokes like, Oh, I don't know how to use X, Y, Z. Like, I don't know how to use my iPhone. My kids know more than me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, your age isn't an excuse. Yeah. Like, and, and so I've always been wired that way. And then I start to say, well, have we made that harder? What, what can I do that will actually empower that person? So for me, it's always been that empowerment because 
early on, I, I was told so much in my life that I was, people have always told me what my value is, what my worth is. My life's dictated that, my family's dictated that, getting, um, you know, type one diabetes when I was 10 and told told that, uh, you know, I was in critical condition. I may not have lived. And I remember being 10 years old and them telling me, well, you know, you may make it to 60 and being like, you know, forget that. Like I've always been, that's why I've been attracted to technology because technology is the great disruptor. Technology says, I don't care how much things are set in stone right now. It's all going to change. So that's me in a nutshell. And so that's where I've always been attracted to careers like that is I want to, I want to, I don't know. It's not like I want to prove myself, but I want to empower people and I want them to feel that same way that I have it. Right. Um, but the, and I can, but the focus you know, is on the product, right? The, the focus is on the, the, the service or the product. Whereas for me, it's not as relevant to me as it is to bring people together and to, to be, you know, I mean, I, I've always been really passionate about just sort of getting the most out of people and the teams that I've led that I could, I could do that whether I'm working at a, a movie theater, whether I'm doing the IT thing that I'm doing now, if I was, you know, working, I mean, I, I picture myself sometimes in these different settings where maybe I'm, who knows what, in the military, or maybe I'm working at a, like an automotive parts uh, distributor or something. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. You know, what, what matters is there's a goal, there's a mission, and is everybody doing their maximum to make that mission happen? And am I moving the pieces around to make sure that I'm getting the most out of everyone? You know, the same, the, uh, very similar to when I was coaching basketball, I did that for 11 years. And, you know, you've got these seventh and eighth grade boys and for whatever reason, the big kids think they should be shooting three-pointers and the little kids are pounding it in the paint. And so you got to kind of teach them what the roles are and kind of make the most out of whatever skills they have. And I've certainly tried to do that in the workplace also. That's that's the passion for me. And that's what's always co- sort of moved me forward is wanting to, to, to just sort of get bigger and bigger p- pieces of the pie so that I can, you know, have more tools to, to, to do my thing. Yeah, I uh, and that's great. I mean, I, I'm glad you recognize that. What's that's what lights you on fire. Yeah. Um, and what's we, like, there's other pieces to it too because there's what you're comfortable with. Like, I would be totally fine. I mean, you and I had to work our way through uh, in school. I mean, we were in middle school and high school trying to make money to scrounge for whatever computers, games, eventually cars. Right. And for me. I could totally go back to doing that. I don't have any pride around like I, as long as I feel like I'm doing a good job, I'm cool. But what would happen is at night I would go and exactly like you said, whatever the new technology, whatever the new disruption is, I would be learning that yeah. in in my free time. Yeah. So sense. why don't you talk a little bit about, about uh, how you started and where you are now? Yeah. So, so, um, so my story is probably not, atypical, but it's also not scripted in that I went to school for a thing. I realized that the thing wasn't what I liked doing. And, you know, my passion has always been technology. And so I just sort of wound up in IT pretty early out of college. Um, You know, did an internship as a mechanical engineer at Bristol Myers Squibb for a year. and, And that definitely, I realized that wasn't my thing. Being a consultant was cool. So, so I worked for a consulting firm for the first couple of years, as you know, and it was cool because every couple of weeks I was somewhere new. And so the the learning curve was very, very aggressive. You know, I mean, I was constantly put, put in new situations, constantly having to adapt, constantly having to figure out what the new normal was, or, you know, whatever location I was, what the social atmosphere was, all, all these sorts of things. And I think it really helped me when I finally um, moved into a full-time role because I had all those tools in my tool belt, whereas other folks didn't necessarily have the ability to to work with people the way I did. And I just sort of ran with it. The first sort of um, role that I had, you know, non-consulting role that I had, you know, I was there for 11 years. Over those 11 years, I had eight different sets of business cards. I was just steadily being given the the next thing to fix. You know, um, if a team was was not performing well, the CIO gave them to me and I sort of turned them around and turned them into something and grew my fiefdom from there. So I, I realized that, there was certainly a place for me in that company, but I also wanted to do more. And so then the next role I took was really leading an IT team in its entirety. And, and I've been doing that for the last couple of years and, uh, you know, it's been, been rocking it. I mean, it's been a really good time. It's interesting, like what you said about um, 
I just had a conversation about this on another podcast about – actually, no, it wasn't on a podcast. I was watching a TED Talk about how you can learn anything in 20 minutes. I don't know if you saw that. So, um, no. And if people haven't seen it – all right. So th- this is uh, – maybe I'll put it in the show notes. So this is what's really interesting, Phil. The whole thing about like you need 10,000 hours to like master something, that's like you're the elitist. Like you're the best of the best in the world. So there was a um, this guy – And he became a dad and he didn't have as much time and he's naturally curious. And like he went and learned the ukulele and he started doing like all other things and he started doing research. And what he realized is it's actually 20 hours. It's about 20 hours. And personally, I've seen this, like it took me about 20 hours to realize all of the terms, what the lexicon is like in fitness, right? For losing weight. And then it was the same for uh, weightlifting. It took about 20 hours. And he, what he says is around 20 hours is when you can self-correct. Mm-hmm. So you can realize when something's wrong. You can actually speak the lingo. You're not the best at it. You're proficient at it. But you've actually learned it. And I – so based on that, like what I've been doing is every day I've been taking an hour in the morning. I have coffee and then I just learn something new. And after 21 days, so after three weeks, I've learned it. And it's actually opened up all really fascinating things um, in my life. And what was, I'm going to share a personal story about you. (laughs) And I think this is exactly what you just said about that determination you have um, to get, to get a job well done. When we were freshmen in college, and this is the DOS time. Um, this is what made me it was always super impressed me is that you are super like I, I, if we took an IQ test, I can guarantee that maybe I just talk a lot more, but I feel like your IQ is higher than me. And I know this is because you've like solved all these puzzle games, like seventh guest and 11th hour and all that when we were <laughs> younger. And and I'm like, screw it. I, I can't do this stuff, right? So, yeah, and I know you're laughing already. So this is what happened. I knew computers because I was a geek and I was already coding and doing all that. And I was a comp side major and you were an engineer. And we got, you just got a... Uh, Oh gosh, what was it? Do you remember? It I think it was a 386 SX33. Yeah. Yeah, we're really dating ourselves mm-hmm. now. So this is like 90, 1992. Um and it was like your first real computer. Yeah. And my first I x86. Edited, yep. Yep. And I edited your auto execute got that <laughs> to say virus detected. Um you need to return this machine immediately. To the rental place. Now, for folks that don't know, the NJIT campus is amazing now. We're talking 20, oh gosh, now, what is it? 1992, so 26 years ago. Wow. Um, It was a little bit of a scary walk carrying a 386 computer all the way down to this place. I mean, we didn't have any cars or anything like that. Right. And so you were and like, you were more than willing to I, put me in that situation. <laughs> of course I was, because I was a freaking 18 year old punk. So, I'm and I'm laughing. I, I I still I can't believe I just I didn't uh, I didn't just burst out laughing. I must have been like went out into the hallway and cried laughing. Um, but your determination, you were like, all right, here's this problem. It's going to affect me in this way. It's and I don't really feel like I need to do this. And I'm going to college, and I just paid all this money for this computer. So I'm going to teach myself. And you went out, and this is like before the internet was huge too. So you went to the library. Somehow you got an MS DOS book. No, it came with it this. came with my uh, my computer. It came with the MS DOS manual. Ah, yes, you actually read. So you're like the one person that I know in my entire life who read the MS DOS manual cover to cover. See, I start. That's what I did. I set you down the path, mm-hmm. and so you read it. And I remember it was like it was maybe because you're a quick learner. It was maybe 48 hours. No, you screwed. And you, you were screwed like, with me on a Thursday, and then you went home for the weekend. And I stayed at NJIT, and I read this thing cover to cover. And then when you came back on Sunday, I was like, "Thanks, Dave. Appreciate <laughs> appreciate it. Figured it out." <laughs> I remember you showing me. Mm-hmm. You're like, "So see this? This is where you edited the file for a message." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yep, that's what I did." And um. That was that super impressed me, but that also fueled. I mean, now you know me and my desire for make people to understand that they can learn this stuff. That actually fueled me in a way too. And that here was because I, you know, at eighteen, I had never seen that before. Um, my brother, who you know, was you know, we were both in the computers, but I had. I think you were the first person actually that I had seen in a weekend 
go from nothing to actually being able to configure MS-DOS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, part of it is yeah. that I, I just hate sucking at things. And in fact, my entire life, I've always been viewed by my circle of friends as the guy that can figure stuff out and do stuff and be good at stuff and all that. And so, you know, once you have that reputation, you feel like you have to live up to it. And so I think that's a part of what drives me sometimes too, is that, you know, I'm just expected to be able to do things better than other people. And so I don't want to let anyone down. (laughs) Oh yeah. I agree with that. You're always the guy that's going to explain it to us unless it's a raid then Jay's going to explain it to (laughs) us. He's going (laughs) to, but, um, I, uh, let me see if I can find on YouTube. Cause exactly what you said is what I tweeted about is that you can't be like my, when I feel stupid, Feeling stupid is what drives you to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you're okay with feeling stupid for a little while, then what happens is you learn and you don't feel um, stupid anymore. And that's really, I mean, it's, that's huge. I'm going to, I got to go find this guy's talk. I can't now, of course I can't find it while I'm trying to, while I'm looking for it, but I'll, um I'll put it in the show notes and exactly what, oh, here it is right here. So it's the, and I'm going to send it to you in the, in the chat it's the first 20 hours how to learn anything josh kaufman Mm -hmm. and um let me i'm I'm putting it in our uh, google spreadsheet here if you want to watch it but it's exactly what you said phil it's um there are certain people because i see this in my kids and you may see this in some of your kids we haven't actually talked about this is it pisses me off when my kids say i'll never get this i'm just stupid oh yeah oh yeah me too and it doesn't matter <laughs> what it like, doesn't matter what it is, you know. If it's teaching yeah. my kid a free throw mechanics and he says I can't do it, like the first thing I say is I don't want to hear that you can't do anything. Of course you can do it. If schmo like down the the street from us is shooting free throws with perfect form, then you can too. What makes him so special? <laughs> exactly, and that's you know it's. Uh, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that what we have, that's not the norm. The norm is what our kids do, um, is to say, I'll never learn this. I'm just stupid when it comes to computers. I'm just stupid when it comes to finances. I'm just stupid when it comes to losing weight. I'm just stupid when it comes to figuring out how to get ahead in my career. And you and I are wired that says, I'm stupid. I'm going to fix this. So I'm not stupid yeah. anymore. Well, I, I've never, I've never felt like I couldn't do a thing, you know, and maybe I owe that to my parents and my grandparents and like the people that supported me when I was younger, because I was always encouraged when I couldn't do something to just do it, you know? And, and I remember picking up a tennis racket for the first time and, and going out there and, you know, my dad just was patient with me. And next thing you know, people on the court next to us a couple of weeks later are asking my dad if I'm some kind of child prodigy. Meanwhile, I was foot shorter than everyone else my age. And so I, <laughs> that, well, that helped a little bit you've too. Always been, uh, you've always been a natural athlete though too. And I, um, what, what, uh, what you said, and we're going to need to do an episode on um, wisdom around parents too, because as I got older, um, what I've realized is the you know because you're but regardless of your view on your parents. I told this to my oldest the other day. I was like, regardless of what you think about me, I have never gone to you and said you're stupid. You'll never be anything. Mm-hmm. You're a screw up. And my parents never did that. And my parents always said to me, if you apply yourself, you can do anything. And I never, I think I've taken that for granted up until uh, probably a year or two ago. I was thinking about that. I was like, wow, like uh, I met someone, I was talking to someone. There's like, Dave, you don't understand. My parents used to tell me that I was a screw up. Oh, wow. And I was like, my parents have never actually said that to me. And I, you know, I did well in school and all, but even if I failed, I mean, I made huge mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. this, um, my parents never said, that's it. Like you've screwed up your whole life. Right. And, uh, I think that does, it, it, you're exactly right. It uh, gives you the confidence to take risk. And that's what I think parenting is. I think parenting is for me is to create a safe place so that my kids are never afraid to take risks. They can always come back yeah. home. Yeah, I mean, from a career perspective, you know, I think one of the things that's important for people to do is not have any fear of failure, not have any fear that you can't do it. Because 
half of being able to do a thing is is believing that you can. You know, I mean, I see again using my kids as an example. Me taking a test when I was a kid, I never thought I was going to do bad, and so I I just went in there focused. If you have that that voice speaking in the back of your head that says I can't, then you're probably going to convince yourself you can't before you actually reach that point. Exactly. But I, and, and, you know, from a career perspective, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, if you think that you can't be the next CIO of your company or you can't be an entrepreneur, you know, and start your own startup or whatever, if you think you can't, well, then you won't. But if you think that you can, you know, you might try and fail and, and you might try and fail five times, but eventually you're going to learn enough through those failures to become successful. And maybe that success will be short-lived and you'll have learned through that to become successful the next time as well. But if you if those failures make you back off, then, um, then you're really not going to maximize your potential. I think um, along the lines of what you're talking about, uh, Gary V talks a lot about this and he has, a, he has a crush it book and a crushing it book. And one of the things I love about him is he talks a lot about if you're willing, um, and I rarely, I, I try not to curse, at least online and in podcasts, but I have to quote him here because he does. <laughs> yes, he does. And he's, he's, um, he says, you know, if you're willing to eat shit for 20 years, then like you can accomplish so much. And I think that is for a career is what I tell people when they're starting out is like, don't even focus on the money in your 20s, mm-hmm. right? You don't even have kids yet. Like, so it's like, don't focus. I, if I could take one thing back for me, I think it would be the money because I fell victim to that. So I'm going to, you know, just being vocally self-critical here, I was not immune to that at that age too. It's easy for me to sit here in my 40s and, and say that. But in my 20s, I wanted to show everybody how much I can well, earn. Not, not, neither but, one of us came from, you know, parents that were giving us everything we wanted to, you know, I mean, we finally saw an opportunity to, to, to get something for ourselves and be able to do something for ourselves. And it was a first for us. So, you know, I, I certainly don't fault you yeah. for that because I was in the same boat. I was like, all right, I have a chance here to finally be able to go to the movies and not worry about it, or finally be able to, you know, go to the mall and, and, you know, get myself something nice and not really have to worry about it. And it was a good feeling at the time. Yeah. It's funny. We got to do an episode about this because I've been thinking a lot about this lately, how we lie to ourselves. Like I lied to myself for a long time that I didn't have it as bad as I did. Mm -hmm. Like looking back now, like we were eating rice cakes and my dad was going on strike where he did, he was out of work for three months and they didn't know if they were going to put food on the table. And I was just talking to my parents over the weekend. They lived off credit cards because they didn't have cash Mm -hmm. and like all this other stuff. And I was always like, there was this, um, (laughs) I don't know if you ever read the Steve jobs biography. Um, but like he had this, he had this inability at sometimes to accept reality, mm-hmm. like especially with his daughter Lisa. Like even though the facts were all in front of him, he just he wouldn't accept reality. Like he saw the world a certain way, which I think a lot of leaders you do have that weird personality quirk. Um, and I've had that a lot for my background in that I always told myself we had so much, and then I'm like sharing with my kids. It occurred to me the other day, my house, it was so tiny. I mean, you remember it. Oh, yeah. Um, like the bathroom that I had that where our entire family shared was my parents' bathroom. <laughs> I remember being in the shower and my, my dad would come in and take a piss because <laughs> it was his freaking bathroom. But I didn't think about it. Yeah. You know, it's like we're all sharing a bathroom. I don't have a lot. Everything I had, my like getting a car was. I was working at McDonald's when I was fourteen. Yeah, I mean, but that's so what drove get, us, right? You, you, I mean, that's that's what was driving us early on. It wasn't that I wanted to. You know, I had no vision of what I could be. What I knew is that number one, I was super competitive, and I was in an environment where they had hired like twenty five versions of me, and so I wasn't about to to not stand out. You know, I mean, I. <laughs> 20, 25 versions. I love it. It's so true. Right. Though. I mean, at a consulting then, firm, it was like, oh, okay, you have a pulse and a technical degree. We want you. You know, this was in the dot com times. And um, yeah, it was just throwing bodies yeah. out to and build I, back in those I days. I didn't want to yeah. be one of the 25. You know, I wanted to be one of the, the more elite ones. And so I, I worked really, really hard to to make myself stand out in any, any, whatever way I could, really. If I was at a client site, and there was dirty work to do. I would just do it. Didn't matter what it was. I, I took whatever it was 
and I've applied that throughout my career, which is I've always tried to be, be the glue, you know, or the cement that, that, um, or the mortar that kind of, you know, keeps the bricks together. The stuff that fits into the cracks has always been kind of where I've said, all right, well, no one's fitting into this crack. Let me be the person that fills this one in and that one in and that one in. And eventually, you know, you can, you can almost carve out a quasi role out of that. Uh, and you become indispensable in the process because you're doing the things that nobody else wants to do. And at the same time, you're sort of keeping things together. You really do become indispensable in those roles. Yeah. I, um, so we should, cause we're already at almost a half hour. I'll share along those same lines, um, how I came to where I am and some, some pieces of advice. Um, there's a couple of things. So one of them, and I, I did talk about this on another podcast. There's a, you should check this out, Phil. I think, I don't know if I told you, um, Ryan Carson is the guy's name. The podcast is called Educate Yourself and he owns a company called Treehouse. And he's of the belief, and I think you and I are the same, that technology, unless you're doing research, it's so vocational. Mm-hmm. Like you need to find a mentor, you need hands-on. And if you're smart, you'll do really well. So what's amazing is he's got cases of like people going from homeless to six figures. And, um, yeah, and it's just, and that, cause that streak speaks to my core, right? When you just heard me talk about empowering people and, and this stuff isn't hard. Like you just need to put, dedicate the time to it. And I hate people that make other people feel stupid. And so my career, I started out early on, same consulting company as you. I started out thinking I, uh, uh, oh gosh, I should probably go back to college. Like college, I just wanted a job that paid a lot and that was bleeding edge. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was all about the money back then. I was not immune to that. And I remember MCSE, Microsoft Certified Solutions. Um, Systems Engineer. Was it? Microsoft. Yep. There it is. So I remember doing NT40 and all of that. So I can move to a, a number. And, you know, this is our podcast. So I'll just, I'll just throw the number out there. This was 1997. I think I started around 39000 a year. And if I got my MCSE, I got 55000 Yeah, they bumped you right to This was open to, to everybody. Yep. Yep. And so I did that in a month and I pissed every single other person off in the company. I remember getting an email from somebody saying, Dave, you're making us all look bad. (laughs) And I remember thinking like, man, this is that whole theme of like people telling me what the limit is on my potential, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's only, I'm the only, I'm my own worst enemy because I have through my life, listen to those voices. This is why I love Gary Vee's. He says, don't listen to the those people. The only person that's stopping you is you. Even if you're in a job, like if somebody's listening to this podcast right now and you're in a job and you're like, they'll never let me do that. Just go do it on your free mm-hmm. time. Like go vol- just go do it. Like you'd be surprised. Just go do it. I was just watching Peter Dinklage. He was doing a talk at his old alma mater and he was talking about somebody who was in acting and they couldn't their freshman year go into the play. They didn't allow freshmen. And he's like, so go act somewhere else. <laughs> and it's like, it's amazing how we get into these mind traps where Somebody says no to us. And so we think like we live in this amazing country that you can just go do. Yeah, things, you can do man. whatever you want to. And so, you can uh, really do whatever. You, and you might not be able to do it exactly the way that you envision envision it, but you can do it close enough to learn from it. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. So my career, I, uh, I'm out. I'm doing that. You remember when I switched? So this was like the internet was rising. Like, We're going to make an app dev group because we can bill you guys out yeah. at like – 300 an hour. Right. 180 and wasn't so enough. so I was like, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Phil, I haven't coded. I had coding in college. I had C and Vax VMS and I learned, I used to teach classes on Pascal, but I'm like, this is not what I was thinking I was going to do for a living. I took information systems. I love business yeah. and tech, but man, they're willing to, uh, gosh, they were like user groups. So you would meet at work and you would learn, we were learning Calm. And it was funny because everybody was playing Ultima online and then eventually EverQuest. So to me, it was like all these gamers, but at the same time, I could learn code. It was like this love and this passion yeah. of, of learning. So I would go and do that. And then suddenly I'm building intranets at all these companies and I'm back into being a developer. Lo and behold, I'm a, I'm a developer, right? And so it was the year... 2002. So after 2000, like the whole stock market crashed and I became, I was about to become a dad. And I was like, I can't, I can't be in an industry where I don't even know if I'll have a job because it's like, I need something full-time steady. 
And this is what I mean is like, you're going to make choices in your career based on family and other people. It's amazing what, um, it's funny in the talk, Peter Dinklage says this too. Now I got to link this talk. Let me find this, Peter. He says, uh, you're going to have, you're never going to have that like earth shaking moment in your life. And he's like, uh, until you become a parent. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but that's what it was for me is I like, I need to be able to pay mortgage every month. So I'm willing to take something where I go to a desk and a cubicle every day. If my baby girl never, ever has to want for anything. And so I made that choice and some other people didn't make that choice and more than power to them. Right. And, but I did, I made that choice and I went and I did full-time work. And what happened to me is after doing full-time work for like six and a half years, I realized that companies make technology decisions based on their finance organization. (laughs) That's the dance I've learned to dance for the last 20 years, Dave. (laughs) And I was like, what? Like, how are we moving the world forward when we're on a Windows version from 10 Mm -hmm. years ago? So um, this is when I was actually talking to you. I just went to Microsoft.com jobs and I found this job that said evangelist and I applied for it. And uh, I remember thinking, Hey, I can't even do this. And you're like, you'll figure it out. And yep. you're, you're one of the smartest guys I know. And I know different people that work there and you won't have any problems. And so uh, it wound up that when I went into that interview, the guy that was interviewing me was a guy I hired as a consultant. I don't know if I ever told you this at my J and J job. So he knew me. And he's like, wow, you're really passionate about technology and you learn your stuff and you know your stuff. And um, it went from there. So that was 12 years ago, man. So I started out doing developer evangelism back then, which was just like becoming a Mm -hmm. thing. And I've always approached it as being education. And then- um, You were certainly the the quintessential evangelist. I can tell you that. In every aspect of your life, you are the quintessential (laughs) evangelist. (laughs) For good or for bad, it's funny because I see this in uh, not in my oldest, but in my youngest. She's the same way. If she loves something, that becomes what she talks yeah. about all yeah. the time. And because I'm wired the same way, I listen to her and I just let her talk about it. And I'm interested in it. Um, she's really into Overwatch, yeah. Yeah. and so she talks about. I know so – I don't even play Overwatch, but I know so much about <laughs> it from her. <laughs> um, but it's huge because I know for me, I just want – this is why I'm in a job now where um, I can go and I can tell people about why I'm excited. And so I think that – I realize that I'm fortunate that I've found that. And don't get me wrong because I've been offered plenty of jobs. And not all of those jobs allow me to mm-hmm. do that. And so I would, this is my career advice to people is over time, there's going to be different things that are important to you. For me, I've realized a couple things and I actually keep this as a, as a note on my desk in case I ever forget it, because I think we have a tendency to forget as human beings. And my, like the things that I have written down are see the world. Cause I love traveling and I love seeing other cultures um, learn something new. And then I have empower others. And I don't know of any other job where I can do all three of those. And so I've been fortunate enough to figure that out. And so that's, it's kind of that list, Mm -hmm. right? If you can figure out what that list, it's so funny being as a human being too, because there are days I forget that Phil, there are days where I'm like, I just want to go for the money grab like you. And then I look down at that list again and it's like, me talking to me and I'm yeah. like, oh, well, it's that's important right. to have your values grounded. You know, I, I actually keep my core principles written down on a little post-it in my wallet. And whenever I feel my, see, I never yeah, did. Whenever I, I, I feel myself yeah, I slipping know. a little bit, I'll pull it out and just read them one more time. You know, it's just a couple phrases, but it centers me, you know, and it reminds me like, this is who I want to be. This is the person I'm striving to be. And there's no better time than the present to, to turn it around and get right back on track again. Yeah, I uh, like you and I. I remember, and there may be some people listening to this. There was these this uh, Dungeons and Dragons world called Dragonlance yeah. back then, and there were these Knights of the Rose. There were like Knights of the Crown, Knights of the Rose. Do you oh, remember yeah, all this? Absolutely. And there was a guy, Sturm Brightblade. Sturm Brightblade, yeah. And it was like it was you and I always had like um, 
and this is what I admired about you, is this personal sense of honor and this code. And that is huge to have written down because the, um, you know, there's actually, it's like your heart will mm -hmm. lie to you. Emotions lie to you. And if I had followed, cause I don't, I've never, I've made this a rule. I've never, ever said to my kids, follow mm -hmm. your heart. It's the worst thing you can do because it's the most deceitful thing. Yeah. That there oh, without is. a doubt. <laughs> and it's <laughs> and I it's like um like before we recorded this podcast when I had to go work out I didn't want to work out but like I have made a commitment to myself that I have mm -hmm. to do that every day and when you do that every day over time you're healthy and I think if you wait for that you know if you wait to feel something um man I when I started uh, I'd say about two years ago I started journaling. I don't know if I told you this. There's an app called Day no. One. You can get on iOS. You can get it on iPad. It'll run on your Mac. And it syncs. And so I write all my feelings. And it is amazing. In one day, the emotions that I'll feel. I didn't know that. I thought you had good days mm -hmm. and bad days. And that's incorrect. You have good hours and oh, bad hours. Absolutely. Good minutes and absolutely. bad minutes. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I didn't know that. And I'm also cyclical. So career-wise, since we're talking about career, I would say spring is when I think about career. I don't know why. Maybe it's it's just a, you've been through the holidays, summer's coming, kids are out of school, you kind of like reevaluate or maybe review the timing of reviews of all the jobs I've ever had. But it's interesting. So what I do is if I start to feel like, am I where I need to be? I'll read my journal entries from that from those months, from the past two years. And it's the same thing. And then what's funny is I've already figured it out. I've just forgotten. So then I'll, I'll read it again. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty smart. You know, <laughs> I never thought to do anything like that. You know, I certainly have these moments where I think to myself, all right, theoretically, I'm supposed to be getting better every day. But am I like, you know, like here I am, am I better than I was last year? You know, are there, are there lessons, profound lessons that I've forgotten? I might want to start doing what you're doing, which is to not only to journal, but to, to review regularly. That's a smart, um, smart thing to do. Yeah, I am. It really does help, man. And, um, it's like, you know, like we got, I used to get advice in my career and I'm sure you did. Like if you want to send a nasty email, write it, yeah. but never send it. It's that way with the journal because you're, you're, you're writing to yourself. And I, um, here's a, here's a great piece of career advice. Um, when you're trying to figure out your value, I got, um, I got this great peer piece of career advice. And I, I want to give him a shout out because he was a great manager. This guy, uh, his last name is hilarious. This is a real name. His name is Corey Badcock. And um, <laughs> yeah, you, you should, you, there's funny stories around that. So Corey basically gave me this advice. Like when you're writing a promotion doc or review, he said this, you have to do it the Apple way. And I was like, what do you mean the Apple way? He's like, all right, Dave, what are you the best at? What are you the first at? And what are you the only mm -hmm. at? And I'm like, that is like that freaking is brilliant. brilliant. So I always try to do that in my career. If I was first at it, am I still the best and the only one doing it? And then if I'm, because there are points in my career right now where I was the first, but I'm not the only one doing it, but I know I'm still uh -huh. the best. Right. And then if I am not the only one doing it and I was the first doing it, but I know I'm not the best and I try to be really re real with myself, then guess what? I need to go find something else that I'm first, best, or only in. Yeah, I'm going to have to ponder that one. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Isn't that great? I was like, when he told me that, I was like, holy, like uh, you just literally wrote my self review because every company makes you have to right. do your review. <laughs> right. I'm like, you just wrote it for me, dude. That's what I think about all year long. Is all right for 2018. What am I first at, best at, uh -huh. and only at? But yeah, so journaling's huge. Thinking about those things is huge, and it's super interesting in that um, you and I are a little different. In that you've had a job where you can be around people, and as as crazy as it is, like I have a job where I talk to people and I can read a crowd like crazy and I can, I love just being able to read faces and all of that, but yet I'm in this job for the past 12 years where I'm not around my mm -hmm. coworkers. And so it is, 
Yeah, we should probably do uh, – although it would be mostly me talking, I guess. But there's a bunch of advice I can give on people is that you're your own, your own worst enemy when you're not around everybody every day because you assume they're thinking, talking, and doing things with you in mind and you're not even like on the radar. <laughs> oh, even it's, when you're in the office with people, that's, that's not a whole lot different, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's fun and then i go and see them and i'm like oh they're all dealing with yeah. their own crap you know and that you don't think that when you're not around them every day and then i go there and i'm like wow this is great like i just if i was here every day i would think mm-hmm. everything's fine and it's, it's interesting how uh we are so communal as human beings yeah i agree so so um question for you you know we're getting to the point where we probably want to wrap this up soon just in terms of i'm gonna i've got a couple things that i want to talk about in terms of advice for people you know i think that advice career advice really depends on where you are in your career um you know i think there's advice that we can give for where we are now there's advice that we can give for people up and coming and certainly people um, starting out i mean what would you say are the most important lessons that you've learned in your career, things that have really helped you to, uh, I mean, we've talked about a bunch of it, but if you were to sort of say like, you know, these are the two or three or four points that I would want anyone to know, what would those be? So I have been fortunate enough to give career advice to a lot of people Mm -hmm. just starting out. Um, Where I am now tends to skew a lot younger. So this is on my mind. And I've also been in my own personal life um, been having lunch with a lot of people that are just starting out. Some of them are family friends. Some of them are from church, just people that are starting out. And so this is what I always tell them that I've learned that I think will help them. The, the, the first thing is that early on in my career, I thought it was super important when I was right that everybody <laughs> yeah. knew and it's And I spent so much time proving to people and showing people that I was right. And I was right. And the only thing it did was destroy consensus and piss people off. And so that's something that's very hard when you're younger because you really want to prove to everybody how smart yeah. you are. It can be, um, it can be crippling so for people. You know, People whose identity yeah. it is to be the smartest person in the room also have to realize when it's not the right time to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that. Um, and so that's huge is I've, and I have found really good leaders listen, right? So you got to give people the chance to, to be heard. So that's the, the, the first piece of advice. The second piece of advice, uh, which is what, which I had gotten early on is your twenties mm-hmm. don't matter. Um, Gary V talks about this a lot too. And I, I, I super agree. And, in hindsight, I stumbled through and I got it right in that my 20s, because of the consulting agency we worked at and everything else, I got to see all these different companies and all these different kinds of things. So in my 30s, I could figure out what I wanted to spend the next decade on. But it doesn't matter what you do in your 20s. And I would also say in your 20s, because it's typically when you meet your significant other, be careful um, and you need to have discussions up front. I wish I had discussions up front of what does it mean if we ever need to relocate? What does it mean for both of our careers? That stuff becomes important, right? So in your 20s, the biggest piece of advice I give when you're first starting out is listen to other people. You don't have to prove to everybody how smart you are and be willing to take a whole bunch of different jobs and a whole bunch of different areas. And when you meet someone, they need to be able to go on that journey with you. Yeah. That's great advice. And if you, and if, yeah. And, and if you can do all of those things, your thirties, you're set, right? Because as somebody that's going to grow with you, you have the ability to be mobile. You can raise a family anywhere and you've already, you're starting to learn what, how other people think you've seen all these different companies and how they think because culture, culture is another thing I've learned. And I tell people, this is as you do that in your twenties, you'll start to realize what a type of culture you like. For me, I like cultures where they haven't had it figured out, which is like very startup ish. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in a company that's like that, but there, you know, the minute that it becomes like everything's figured out and it's process and it's everything is, you know, how to run the business, I become brain dead and I don't do well there. There are people that thrive in that. And I didn't know that about myself until I tried all these different companies. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. So that would be my advice. I'll keep it simple. Okay. 
Um, so I've been taking notes here actually, because this is all good stuff. So if I wasn't talking, it's because I was writing. Um, so, so let me give you mine as well, because um, I have a little bit of a different take on things being in the role that I am. And I also have a similar dynamic where my, my cousin's kids, my, uh, my neighbor's, you know, what, um, kids, Brian, you know, a good friend of ours, his son just graduated from high school. I tell everybody the same thing that you have to embrace the grind. Like uh, the word grind is a very important word when it comes to your career, because if you think you're always going to have these big, amazing Eureka, you know, um, victories every day, it actually doesn't work like that. And, and it doesn't matter whether it's career, whether it's the gym, whether it's trying to learn a new thing, whether it's a- anything, you have to embrace the grind. Oh, yeah. I have a t-shirt. I don't know if you ever saw me wear it. It says believe oh, in really? the grind. No, really? I have not. But I use I use the word grind yeah, all the I, time. I, I tend to – the way I tell people is life is 24 mm-hmm. hours because the grind to me is every 24 hours. This is like the working yeah. out thing, right? So yeah. in the 24-hour period, I have to do that. So the way I – this is the way I look at it. In the 24-hour period – I need to get eight hours sleep because that has proven that there's so many benefits to weight loss and building muscle and, and mental health. So this is my goal every day, Phil. In a 24-hour period, I'm going to get eight hours sleep. I'm going to work out for an hour and I'm going to learn something mm-hmm. new for an hour. Everything else in between can be completely dynamic. So it's whatever's on my calendar that day for work, whatever family throws at me, whatever life throws at me, whatever – you name it, right? But those are the core things that are non-negotiable yeah. with me. And what happens is over time, if you think about an hour, that's 365 hours a year I spend on learning something new and working out and whatever eight times 365 is, is how many hours of sleep I got, right? And that, yeah, that oh, yeah. adds up. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so, so you talked a little bit about structure. And so I would say gr- the, the grind to me you know, you have to include structure in that, which is every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is I plan my day. So I'm a firm believer in threes, right? And so I always try and tell myself, what are the three big things that I'm going to accomplish in this, in this day? And if it's the beginning of the week, I want to have the same thing. What three things am I going to accomplish this week? Slightly larger in scale. What three things am I going to accomplish this, this month? What three things am I going to accomplish this quarter, et cetera? And, you can, and I even break it down to the hour. You know, what three things am I going to accomplish in the next hour? And they could be little things. You know, uh, respond to this email. Make sure I type up this whatever. <laughs> Maybe, um, you know, get through yeah. this one meeting, et cetera. But if you, if you embrace the grind in a structured way, then you don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders anymore. All you're doing is just getting past the next little molehill, you know, and you just keep on sort of chipping away at your day and you can be very present and you could be focused on exactly what's happening, you know, next and right now. So that, that's one thing that I, I, um, I tell folks. Another thing is that your attitude is really your own choice. And one of the things for, at least for my teams that I've banned is any sort of words like crazy, Hectic, swamped, um, all those all those sorts of terms are are banned on my team because I don't want anyone to define their day based on a negative um, a negative term. You know, I mean, it's crazy because you let it get that way, and it's hectic because you're allowing it to be that way, and because you've chosen it to be that way. But really, it's just work, you know. And so, it's very important that people understand that you choose your own attitude and you choose whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing to be busy or to be in whatever circumstance you're in. And, and you and I have both been through some things that are, are good. You know, we've been through some things that haven't been so good. And I think that one of the ways that we've overcome those things is to choose the way that we view them. Yeah. I, um, I, it's funny because, you know, hindsight, but I think I felt this way when I was younger too. I really do is that, even though it pissed me off when I had a really bad experience, it pushed me to be better. And um, like what you're saying is we've gone through some stuff. The, the other um, thing, it's interesting you said that you, you go by the hour. So I don't know if I ever told you this. I have this ex- Excel spreadsheet on all my computers on my desktop. It's called Goals. It's goals.excel. <laughs> <I do. laughs> 
or X- <laughs> XLSS. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And it's like, it's tabbed like ABC. So I do it, not only is it fitness. So I say, uh, what I do is I break it out and I say like, this is the weight I want to be. Then I break it down to what I do each day. So I say, what does this mean each day? So this is 60 hours cardio. This is three days weights, but three days a week weights. But I even do it for my games, man. So I do like, this is what I'm going to currently beat. I'm going to beat this game and I need to do it by this date. And then I, in each game, I say what I'm going to do. So like for Hearthstone, it was, I'm going to reach rank 10. That's why what I sent you that screenshot before, that was my goal for June. And we're at, what are we at? We're at June 25th. So I hit my goal for June. That was, I'm going to play Hearthstone every day on the treadmill, but I need to hit rank 10 for the month. So like, I felt freaking awesome before we recorded this podcast because not only did I work out, but I hit rank 10 competitively in standard play. Um, it's just little things like that. I think is it, the it's grind. It's funny because me, um, speaking can, of that, you know, Kev was talking smack to me today about Clash Royale and how he was ahead of me in that. And so I screenshotted my, uh, <laughs> my score. <laughs> you guys in Clash Royale, man, I got to It's just funny how both out. of our uh, our goals prior to the today's podcast were uh, were revolving around trying to get to a certain level. Um, well, this is um. We need to do we need to do a podcast on gaming because I'm going to be a little critical here because I've even seen like Gary V talk about this where he puts down World of Warcraft and other things, and I remember Brian shared something, and I can say now I have gamed well even before I was ten, but let's just say I started at ten, so now that's thirty four years of this is mentally. I have gone places and accomplished things that I never would have mm-hmm. in real life. And those are real memories. I have I have fought I have fought hordes of monsters with all of you guys, right? And they're real freaking memories, man. I remember reading up on Alzheimer's disease and it said a lot of it is like when you get into routine. And because I was gaming all this time, I've never had the same routine. Like even if you have that nine to five job, but you go game, you're breaking it up. You're like adventuring and your mind is is doing that. And I really feel like all of these games over time that I have lived a mm-hmm. fuller life than if I had not done that. You know what I'm saying? And so we got to do a we got to do a podcast on that because I think people write that off, but I think that is huge. And I I uh, I see my kids doing that now too. Like they're, I mean, when you're when you are the age that they are, there's so many people that are telling you no, and there's so many things that are, but they don't. They're not. Nobody's in control of them when they're in yeah. those games, man. They're the hero. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, uh, you, you talked earlier about having sort of a moral compass and values and sort of, you know, um, that whole part of our personalities. I mean, it's been a big part of who I've been my entire life. You know, I mean, I started reading comic books when I was in high school because I liked heroes and I played D&D because I wanted to save the princess. And, you know, the gaming thing was the same thing. You know, it allowed me an opportunity to be the uh, the good guy the one who overcomes you know whatever to save the world i've always been very um very drawn to that and i would say even in my career you know i've always been tried to be the person who has the the um, a firm moral compass i would say that another piece of advice that i would give to to people would be just that which is make sure that you're being you when you show up for work and not somebody else and make sure that you know who you are and make sure that you are are comfortable in your own skin because it's a very important part of being successful in whatever venture you have is being real. People aren't going to trust you if you're not real. What what could be more important than making sure that people trust you in the workplace? Oh yeah, it's uh online too. I am a firm believer and you just have to be you. I mean, that's even why I'm doing this podcast is I'm sharing all all of me. Um, because I feel like where we are today in 2018, you can't you can't fool yeah. people anymore. You can't pretend to be one thing. It's out there, so just you know, just uh, just be yeah, who you and, are. And so, so just sort of to segue off of that is <clears throat> not only being being you, but making sure that the way that you deal with people is in a way that you would want to be treated. People talk about corporate politics and sort of maneuvering through that. Um, that world, there's really not a whole lot more to it than being like nice to people and being respectful of people and making sure that you 
have other people's best interest in mind when you're doing things. You know, there's no better way to derail your career than to do something for you at the expense of somebody else, whether it's your team, whether it's your boss, whether it's your peers, you know, <clears throat> whatever it may be. The whole corporate politics thing really comes down to to um, to people and valuing people and making sure that you that you put people before yourself. I mean, have you experienced that? Yeah, and be careful of your expectations. Yeah. You know, if I do something for somebody, I'm just helping them out. I don't expect them to then turn around and be like, right. "What can I do for you?" Because that could make you bitter. You know, like I did all this for. It's the same way in life, right? Um, I did all this for somebody and they didn't, it's like, yeah. who cares, man? Yes. Be really careful of your expectations. And it'll yeah, take I mean, you know, you see people in the workplace who are trying to be this artificial thing. And when you expose yourself a little bit, it actually will, will allow you to make mistakes and people will give you a little bit more leeway on those. If you're, if you're uh, having a bad day and you tell people, Hey, listen, uh, you know, I, I'm, having this thing go on in my personal life or whatever, then all of a sudden people will back off and maybe not be quite as critical. So, so one last piece of advice that I would give is p- people spend so much time trying to be good at their craft that they don't try and kind of pay attention to the larger goal. You know, and, and it's the one thing that you hear pe- from people all the time, which is know your business. And it's a really, really important piece of being successful is not just looking out for you and what you want to be good at, but also look, having the larger goals of the organization in mind and kind of making sure that you understand what those are. Because if you're trying to do those things, you're going to be successful in your own right. That's like office space. And why doing, is that good for the company? <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. I agree. You need to overall, you need to figure out where you're, where you're working and ultimately why that company has you there. I, uh, this is something um, I'm going to, I'm going to close it with this. Gosh, should I say the company? It's not at the company I'm at now, but um, I got this really great piece of advice and it said, you know, careers are a really long thing. And in your career, you may choose based on what's going on in your life to meter up Mm -hmm. or meter down. And meter, metering up, I have totally metered up at different points, which means you are everything is the most important thing is what you're doing at work, and you're just 150% towards that, right? Metering down means I can take a different kind of job. Maybe it's not as much, maybe it's not as demanding because I have other things going on in my life. And that was an eye opener to me. This was somebody who is a leader in the organization said that to me. And then now as I'm getting older, I'm totally, I've had conversations with my family saying, you know, I'm going to take a job. Maybe it pays half as much years from now because I'm going to be older. I've accomplished all I want and I just need something that's going to help pay the bills, help pay the college tuitions. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And when I was younger, nobody said that to me. Nobody's like, I always thought there was this game is you just go through life and you just keep advancing and advancing and advancing. But it's not like that. It's, to me, uh, to my point in my life, I almost see it like that bell curve in that you figure out where you want to go when you're younger, like we were talking about in the 20s, and then you just go nail it and you crush it so that as you get older, you, you know your career is something it, – yeah, it's something you've accomplished. But when you get into retirement age, it doesn't matter what anybody did in their yeah, life. You're all in the same boat. That's for sure. You know, and so I think people have this, at least that's what helps me, Phil, is when I get stressed at work, I say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in in when I am sitting around the table with all my other 70-year-old peers, it doesn't matter what I did. It doesn't matter who my boss was. It doesn't matter who my boss's boss was. None of it matters. And that totally helps me handle stress because then I say, well, if if it really – it's not going to matter. And as older I get, the closer I get to that point, then I say what it matters is legacy. What matters is did I help people and did I piss off people, right? And like that's kind of what's been on my mind lately is who am I helping to move this forward when I'm gone? And what have I done to really help people move it forward now? And – I don't know. Maybe that'll help somebody, but that's how I I look at it. Is that's where we're all headed, and it, ultimately, it won't matter if you were running a huge Fortune 500 company or you were in the mailroom. Yeah, we're all in the same place. Now, that's one thing that I try and practice at work, actually. And I think some of the folks that work for me 
are taken aback at times. And, you know, my, my response to them is, I'm doing this thing for you. So let me give you an example. One of the guys that are, that works for me was having an issue with his like cable provider at home and they were, you know, they, they jacked up his rate and they, you know, this and that. And I was just like, get him on the phone. I'm going to pretend that I'm your roommate and I'm going to fix this for you. And he was like, wait, what? You know, he thought he was just venting to me and he didn't expect anything from me. And, and, you know, the way I treat these things and the way I tell them view it is I don't, I don't ever want you doing stuff for me because I'm your boss. I want you to doing, doing stuff for the team because you believe in it. And at some point in our careers, for sure, I'm not going to be your boss anymore. And are you still going to want to meet me for a beer, you know, at happy hour? Are you still going to want to have a dinner with me every so often? Or are you still going to want to shoot some emails back and forth to see how I'm doing and vice versa? That, that to me is the legacy piece. Yeah, that's, um, I have talked about this before. That's leading through influence or versus leading through authority. So you, because you are a good leader, you have both influence and authority. Your authority says, I'm in your management, but that doesn't make people follow you. In fact, it can be a detriment because if you are not good at what you do, people um, are going to do the bare minimum or not even short do term. what you ask. Yeah, it works leader, short term. You can get people to do yeah. what, you want, what you want, but not in the long term. Right. And so you have both inf- – if you have both influence and authority, you can inspire people to do really, truly great things. I agree. I agree. It's good. I agree. I agree. All right. So we'll end it with that. Uh, we talked for a while. I appreciate you coming on. Some some really great thoughts. And I'll, I'll put some of these links to these talks in the show notes uh, cool, if man. you want to check them out. I had a great time as always.